point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms. Greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind, and greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar paper, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Thank you very much. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up with that scene from the movie Wall Street as a, as an example of what a good, inspirational, truthful speech might sound like. Since we all got the opportunity Tuesday night to uh, listen to an hour and a half of ridiculous blunders, lies, deceptions, and ridiculousness coming out of our president. And of course, so did everybody else in the world. And uh, everybody everybody had their opinion of what was going on. And I'm sure the people across, across the, the globe are going, do you think the American people buy this BS? You gotta be kidding me. That song was uh, always something there to remind me from a group called Naked Eyes from one of my, one of my cult classic movies, The Wedding Singer. Uh, and I use that song because it was written by Burt Bacharach, who died on uh, on Wednesday, age 94. Don't have to say, hey, what did he die of? He was 94. Um, and you know what? I, I looked up. You know, I think of a lot of songs that I could uh, that I could play. I didn't realize that that song was written by Burt Bacharach, but um, but I found out it was. And of course, most of the Burt Bacharach songs we all we all remember. And uh, but most of them he didn't sing. I on the second half, I'm gonna open up with one from the movie, uh, another one of my cult classics, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, and uh, where he's actually singing it in the movie. And, uh, and of course, I think of a whole bunch of other ones that, that my mom used to love. And, uh, but, you know, Burt Bacharach, another, another icon in, uh, in, uh, in, our, in our lives, another part of the, uh, the soundtrack to our lives that we, we won't forget his musical go on forever. And, uh, uh, he obviously lived a, a, a long, a rich, long life. So anyway, uh, before I go any further, I'm going to talk about uh, what's going on in this country oh, and specifically and specifically what Biden talked about in his uh, in his uh, State of the Union speech, which was, again, a bunch of a bunch of nonsense. Um, let me introduce myself. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman. I'm with United American Mortgage. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are more and more fantastic opportunities as we go forward, uh, if you need financing, 
Talk to someone who thinks like you. Call me toll-free, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to talk to me about financing, financing and whether that's refinancing a piece of property you own or buying a piece of property you'd like to own or getting some more information on one of those reverse mortgage things that everybody's talking about uh, that, you know, helps you uh, fill in the gap between uh, the years you have left and the money you have left. Uh, But you don't want to talk to me on the phone, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the United American Mortgage logo, and that'll take you to my lending page. You can put in a Put in your uh, your username and password. Tell me how much information you want back. Give me how much information you want to give me. And uh, you'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates. And we'll help you find the missing pieces, your real estate financing puzzle. You know, a lot of people have called in and say, hey, they, they have in mind what they're looking for. What they're looking for. Well, I'm thinking about this and like this. And I said, why don't you just do it like this? Really? I hadn't thought about that. So, you know, you want to talk to someone who's got an imagination um that can help you you know if someone want you want to move out of state you want to move out of state you want to get rid of your your uh your house here and and shop somewhere else you know what what's the uh what's the best way to do it there there's a whole bunch of best ways to do it but i'll help you i'll help you um uh figure it out and figure out what's best for you and whatever the case is if you've got uh if you've got real estate and you want financing you want some advice 855-640-2020 or edhoffman.net um, if there's any part of the show you want repeated or you missed, um, stay on edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the sound, the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, Apple podcasts, where you can subscribe for free and automatically download once a week. I record on Friday mornings and it uploads Friday afternoon and it'll download shortly thereafter to your device. Um, and of course you can always hear it on the radio and, uh, this is, but the podcast easiest way to hear it wherever you are, whenever you want. Um, right now, I am recording from Bozeman, Montana, uh, in my in one of my two Escape from California homes, and uh, and I will tell you, I've got my, you know, the the skies are blue today. I don't see any balloons floating up there, although I've been looking, and uh, I've got uh, Molly in the backyard, you know, uh, keeping an eye while I'm in, inside the house. She's looking for stuff, and if she sees anything floating, she'll bark, and then I'll. Then I'll uh, I'll post something so you guys know what's going on. Uh, so anyway, let's talk about let's talk about the State of the Union. As I said, State of the Union speech was Tuesday. It proved to be an evening of manipulations, lies, overall denial of reality, also known as nonsense. Only Id- idiots couldn't see that that was the case, and of course the Democrats they couldn't see that, and of course they were all. And even if they did see it, they still stick together, stand and applaud on cue. So uh, as we, as we saw last year, when when uh, uh, Chuck Schumer actually missed his cue and stood up a you know a, a sentence too early and was standing there looking stupid, waiting for everybody else to stand up until uh, he until he said one more sentence. Um, fortunately, Republicans pushed back on some of Biden's more exaggerated claims, which is why headlines are calling this the most raucous State of the Union in recent history. Of course, uh, you know you hear uh, you hear you see people saying how. How uh, no decorum with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and and uh, Lauren Boebert standing up and calling him a liar, and uh, of course, uh, and then of course there's the uh, um, I was wondering if if Kevin McCarthy was going to rip up the speech uh, sitting behind him, but which he didn't. He had a little bit more class than that, and uh, but you could see him saying that's wrong, that's not true. You could see him sitting behind them and rolling his eyes. 
because we were all rolling our eyes while we were at home. Let's start with Biden's claim on unemployment. Throughout the dismal economic downturn on his watch, Biden has repeatedly cited the jobs numbers as proof that he's leading us into an economic rebound. So, of course, he repeated those claims Tuesday night. I ran for president to fundamentally change things, to make sure our economy works for everyone, so we can all feel that pride in what we do, to build an economy from the bottom up and the middle out, not from the top down. Because when the middle class does well, the poor have a ladder up and the wealthy still do very well. We all do well. I know a lot of you always kid me for always quoting my dad, but my dad used to say, Joey, a job's about a lot more than a paycheck. He really would say this. It's about a lot more than a paycheck. It's about your dignity. So let's look at the results. We're not finished yet by any stretch of the imagination, but unemployment rate is at 3.4%, a 50-year low. Yeah, when you build the economy from the middle out and the the bottom up, of course, the economy doesn't go from the bottom up or the middle out because the middle middle, uh, middle Americans, the middle-income workers, the uh, work for corporations, which are owned by wealthy people, and, of course, the poor people – uh, you know, hey, you the middle class do well, then the poor have a ladder up. A ladder up comes from corporations and rich people creating jobs. So the middle people can move up and that op- opens up opportunity for the poor people. It doesn't happen regardless of what you call it, middle out and bottom up. That's not how it works. Trickle down economics is, hey, the government gets out of the way of the people at the top. So the people at the top can create jobs. Government doesn't create jobs. Government just taxes everybody's jobs. Um, the, it's the private sector that creates jobs. Uh, but on that, but on that claim about his uh, unemployment numbers, and of course, we had a jobs report on Friday, last Friday, which was complete BS. You know, the uh, the ADP ADP um, uh, numbers said that there was 106,000 jobs created, and of course, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, a federal a federal uh, uh, office that needs to make a good jobs report right before the State of the Union came out with 864,000 jobs. And of course, when you dig down into them, um, 600, over 600,000 of those were part-time jobs. So again, people getting, there are people getting more jobs, not more people getting jobs. So, hey, you know, the economy is so bad, you can't, you can't pay your bills on one job. You got to have two jobs or three jobs. So, and, and if you look at the numbers, the average hours worked are, is down and the average take-home is down, but we'll talk more about that. But CNN's fact check of the speech said, it was a gamble for Biden to brag about the jobs data because by raising interest rates, the Federal Reserve is actively trying to slow down the mark, the job market and raise unemployment rate as a way to combat inflation. So when I hear this, I say, hey, this is directly from a scene from a movie called The 25th Hour. What's the, what's the big deal with the employment number anyway when it's a feline? Whatever. Look, more jobs means fewer people looking for work. Means it's harder to find good people to fill those jobs. Means you got to raise wages to get them. Means inflation goes up. You got it? So again, more jobs created means fewer people looking for work. Means that the employers have a hard time finding good people. Means they have to raise wages to get those people. And it means inflation goes up. Meaning that, hey, as we, as we increase increase wages it increased the cost of the employers and the companies and that the water level just comes up it raises inflation so when california raises the minimum wage from eight dollars nine dollars 
to up to $12 and then uh, went to $15 January last year um, or $15.50. I'm not sure what it is now. Did it go up to $16 or is it still $15.50? I'm not sure. Um, I don't make minimum wage and probably most of you don't either. But um, hey, you know what? People should be able to pay their bills if they work 40 hours. Well, if they work 40 hours at McDonald's, maybe not. Um, but you know, those jobs at McDonald's are there for high school kids. So they have enough money to take their 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 girlfriends out on dates, put gas in their car, and pay insurance on their on their parents' uh, insurance policy. That's kind of how that works. So next, Biden's claim claim was on inflation. Inflation. Inflation has been a global problem because the pandemic disrupted our supply chains, and Putin's unfair and brutal war in Ukraine disrupted energy supplies as well as food supplies. But we're better positioned than any country on earth right now. But we have more to do. But here at home, inflation is coming down. Food inflation is coming down. Not fast enough, but coming down. Inflation has fallen every month for the last six months. While take-home pay has gone up. Yeah, right. Energy supplies are Putin's fault. Energy, energy supplies uh, and, the, and the price is because of Putin. I think it's because he turned off all the energy production in this country. And the food supplies are because of the Ukraine war. Well, maybe that's a little piece of it. But understand that when he raised up gas prices, when he when he raised up gas prices by stopping uh, energy production in this country, uh, all our farmers use use uh, petroleum based fertilizers to grow their grow their uh, their crops. And of course, everybody as the price of gas goes up, the price of trucking all the all the food supplies across the country goes up. So you know what? Just stopping energy energy uh, production in this country has a lot to do with food prices as well, and Biden will never acknowledge that. But I can't believe that every single person in Congress doesn't know that. So, you know, the Democrats standing up and applauding to this stuff is all just BS. It's a gaslight. They're trying to make us think, hey, if they say it enough times on TV and you see enough people agreeing with it, then you'll start to believe it. But don't buy that. Don't buy that. From factcheck.org, he's right that the inflation rate for the past 12 months was 6.5% in December. Wages have gone up under Biden, but not as fast as prices. So the take-home pay, as Biden called it, doesn't buy as much as it used to. You know, my parents bought their first house for like $17,000, and I think their house payment was $135. You know, uh, 30 years later, when 30 years later, maybe 20, 20 years later, I bought my first house for $92,000. And my payment was $900 a month. And my mom goes, how are you ever going to be able to afford those payments? Was no different for them when they bought their house for $17,000. So it was for me when I bought $92,000. It's a percentage of, you know, wages went up. The price of everything else went up. What economists call real weekly earnings after being adjusted for inflation actually declined by 3.7% since Biden took office. So, you know, it's all relative. It's all relative. You know, it's, hey, uh, I'm making more money, but how come, how, come, uh, how come I don't buy more stuff? How come I got this big raise and I don't feel like I made any more money? Well, as one great president we all remember said, it, it comes down to this. You would ask yourself, are you better off than you were four years ago? Is it easier for you to go and buy things in the stores than it was four years ago? What he's saying is, don't listen to the BS you hear on TV. Don't listen to the babble that comes out of uh, Biden's mouth or anybody who's a Democrat. Look at your own life. Look at your own life. Do you feel safe going to the to the store at night? Do you feel do you feel uh, do you feel like you wish you could carry a gun if you don't? 
do you uh, uh, does your do you find it as easy to afford afford groceries as he did? Did you get a big giant gas bill about ten times the the amount it's ever been last month? Just look at that and say, hey, is your life better off today than it was four years ago or two years ago? And just say, you know what? For the for those Democrats that are listening to this show, hey, you know what? I'm voting for Biden. I don't like Trump. He's he's a he makes he says some mean things and he tweets out stuff. But how was your life? Because I'm a I'm a full supporter of Trump. I never had him over to my house. I never met him in person. I've seen him in person. I could have got in line to get to get a picture with him, but that was uh, years before he was ever thought about being president. And um, I've heard him speak, but he doesn't date my daughter. He's not the pastor at my church. He doesn't come over to my house for dinner. So I don't know. You know, I just want I just want someone in the White House that's going to make America run better, make it safer, make it make us safer from our enemies across the across the globe, make it safer in our homes, like keep the borders sealed so we know who's coming in here. Uh, keep gas prices down, keep uh, costs down, and uh, don't take all my paycheck every every week. So anyway, as usual, the cost of prescription drugs was included in the speech. Democrats love to talk about how they're going to do something about the cost of prescription drugs. Biden claims he did something for diabetic seniors that nobody knew about. He intends to do it for younger diabetics, too. We said we were doing this, and we said we passed the law to do it, but people didn't know because the law didn't take effect until January 1 of this year. We capped the cost of insulin at $35 a month for seniors on Medicare. People are just finding out. I'm sure you're getting the same calls I'm getting. Look, there are millions of other Americans who do not or are not on Medicare, including 200,000 young people with type 1 diabetes and need this insulin to stay alive. Let's finish the job this time. Let's cap the cost of insulin for everybody at $35. Yeah, I'm wondering what the actual cost of that stuff is. But, you know, from business site courts, this story, Biden's plan is not going to lower the price of insulin. Joe Biden is right. The cost of insulin in the U.S. is astronomical. A vial of insulin costs Americans $113 a vial on average, a price that is increasing faster with inflation. And patients can need up to six vials per month. Except that's for people with no insurance. And didn't Obamacare solve that problem? Everybody has insurance now, right? So that's not the case. Um, I talked to Dan at the at my uh, engineer at the at the radio station. He's a diabetic. He says that he pays about thirty dollars a month per vial for for his for his, and the vial lasts him about a month. Um, so so this is all relative. He goes he goes well. I guess that means my price is going up. So you know what if if those people don't have if those people don't have have insurance did nothing for them and if he's and he's making the 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 copay the copay and this is what it said Biden's proposal would not as the president promised cap the price of inflation at $35 for Americans who need it it would only control the copay for insured Americans with no impact on the actual cost at best this would marginally reduce out of pocket spending for insured patients at worst, it would squash any further pressure to make insulin affordable for everyone. In other words, he didn't do jack squat. He's just seeing things that are happening, and he's trying to take credit for it. And of course, we got Biden's standard pay your fair share lecture. The tax system is not fair. It is not fair. 
Look, the idea that in 2020, 55 of the largest corporations in America, the Fortune 500, made $40 billion in profits and paid zero in federal taxes? Zero? Folks, it's simply not fair. But now, because of the law I signed, billion-dollar companies have to pay a minimum of 15 percent. God love them. 15 percent. That's less than a nurse pays. Let me be crystal clear. I said at the very beginning, under my plans, as long as I'm president, nobody earning less than $400,000 will pay an additional penny in taxes. Nobody, not one penny. Okay, so this is a this is a bunch of a uh, non-issue as well. This is a bunch of uh, stuff that Biden didn't do squat from CNN's fact check. When Biden referred to how much a nurse pays, he was talking about a nurse's tax rate rather than dollar figures. Based on a median salary of a nurse, an individual filer may have an estimated federal tax of about twenty four percent. And then, of course, she writes off she writes off whatever she can and uh, takes the deductions for for her house interests and her property taxes and everything that everybody does. And that's, and that's all just a, uh, a smoke screen. Um, next we got to go into, go into the line about billionaires. You know, there's a thousand billionaires in America. It's up from about 600 in the beginning of the term, but no billionaire should be paying a lower tax rate than a school teacher or firefighter. Well, I mean, it. think about it. Well, let me clarify. Being a billionaire is about your assets. It's not about your income. So, you know, hey, billionaires shouldn't be paying a higher, a lower rate than people that aren't billionaires. Of course, that's not necessarily true. That's not necessarily true because billionaires means they earned money before. You're paying interest on money you earned this year. Uh, in addition, when he talks about the corporate tax of 15% minimum, that's 15% of your of your uh, of your adjusted of your adjusted profits. So if your profits are if your profits are a billion dollars, but of course when he talks about corporations that paid zero, that means they reinvested in their in their company and they expanded their company. So so they made a billion dollars and they maybe I mean I don't know about you, but I drive down the freeways. I drive down the two fifteen freeway and I see I see like a mile long building that apparently is a Target or a Amazon distribution center. Um, it's a mile long and it's going to be full of employees. And just like what we used to see on the five freeway going through the city of industry, that Firestone building, which is now like the Citadel Mall or something. Um, but for years and years, you had tons and tons of people that were working in there, uh, you know, building tires, jobs, jobs created. But they build those. They reinvest in their company, just like Amazon buys uh, is is creating warehouses. They're buying trucks. They're buying software. They're hiring people so that when you order something online, it gets there in two hours instead of two days. I mean, the more people are not going shopping, this is how our economy is evolving. And the companies that are putting the money out there get to take the deduction off their income taxes. Well, what does that mean? That means they're going to make billions more the following years, and they already made that they already made that investment, so they'll pay more taxes. Kind of like what Trump did by reinvesting in the economy, cutting taxes for corporations to encourage their expanding so they would create more jobs and create more taxpayers and more money would come in. But you know, he's talking about how billionaires have to pay their, everybody has to pay their fair share. This reminds me of a famous speech by Dr. Ben Carson at the, uh, at the prayer breakfast just about five, six years ago. 
I see the fairest individual in the universe, God, and he's given us a system. It's called tithe. Now, we don't necessarily have to do it 10%, but it's principle. He didn't say, if your crops fail, don't give me any tithes. He didn't say, if you have a bumper crop, give me triple tithes. So there must be something inherently fair about proportionality. You make $10 billion, you put in a billion. You make $10, you put in one. Of course, you've got to get rid of the loopholes. But now, now some people say, they say, well, that's not fair because it doesn't hurt the guy who made $10 billion as much as the, the guy who made 10 Where does it say you have to hurt the guy? He just put a billion dollars in the pot. You know, we don't need to hurt him. Exactly. And what, which is the reason I say, hey, national sales tax, everybody pays something. Nobody has to pay 50%. Just not fair. Hey, anyway, uh, I'm all out of time for this half the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes, traffic, weather, sports, and commercials. And I'll be right back with lots more. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bert Bacharach. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but everyone. Back to the part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about uh, real estate and financing on the radio, but you know, if you're not paying attention, as the inflation rates go down, mortgage interest rates will go down. I had somebody ask me the other day that, um, say, hey, interest rates are coming down. How's that happening? The Fed just raised the rates. Mortgage rates are driven more by inflation than the, the federal, the Fed funds rate. So as will the Fed funds rate affect mortgage rates? Yes, it will, but kind of indirectly. But the mortgage rates are actually uh, more, more driven by inflation. So as inflation goes up, interest rates go up. And as inflation starts to come down, uh, interest rates will come down. And that creates more opportunity. And as we see, as we see the inflation rates now, they're comparing, they're comparing what the prices are today versus last year. And of course, last year, the, the, the inflation rates were high because he was going up against um, early figures from his first year in office and, and before that figures from when Trump was in office. And now, as we're a year farther into it, now we're starting to replace, replace this year's prices with a year ago when Biden was still in there and the price going up is starting to slow down, which is inflation. So it doesn't mean the prices are going down, it just means they're not going up as fast, but that will, that will ease up uh, mortgage rates. And uh, so that creates opportunity. If you're interested in figuring out how this helps you, if you're looking at a reverse mortgage, the, the lower the rates go, the more money you get. And, uh, and the values of houses are, are still not 
still not coming down dramatically. They are softening up, but they're not coming down dramatically. Um, so that should be opportunity as the as the interest rates go down. And of course, if you're thinking about refinancing or if you're thinking about doing anything else, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo. So in the first half, we were talking about uh, same thing we're going to talk about now. It's the uh, the State of the Union and all the BS that uh, we heard and uh, trying to put some sense, some sense, some truth to it. Um, for a lot of us watching at home, the next clip may have been the most enjoyable part of the speech. Here's what happens when Republicans stand up and push back against the lies that come out of the mouths of Democrats like Joe Biden. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. <laughs> Let me give you anybody who doubts it. Contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see you. No, I tell you, I, I enjoy conversion. You know, it means if, if Congress doesn't keep the programs the way they are, they'd go away. Other Republicans say, I'm not saying it's a majority of you. I don't even think it's even a significant. But it's being proposed by individuals. I'm not politely not naming them, but it's being proposed by some of you. Look, folks, as we all apparently agree, Social Security and Medicare is off the, off the books now, right? They're not to be fine. All right. We got unanimity. Yeah, so he's uh, he's talking about uh, he's talking about conversion. He's talking about he thinks that he just converted everybody to take that off the table. But just like everything else he said, he didn't do he didn't do jack squat because it was never on the table to begin with. As you know, this is the same throw granny off the cliff like Democrats have always done to scare voters. From CNN said these are not the views of most Republicans, and McCarthy has said he won't cut Medicare and Social Security. Um, and of course, he's referring to Rick Scott's uh, Rescue America plan um, from PolitiFact. Republican leaders say they don't support this. The exception, Rick Scott of Florida released a plan that stated all federal legislation sunsets in five years. If a law is worth keeping, Congress can pass it again. I agree with that. I agree with that. That should be. But you know what? It's kind of a blanket generalization when he says, hey, all federal legislation. He didn't mean that we're going to cut Social Security. Just means, hey, we should have to, we should have to say every every five years we decide what still needs to be law, what doesn't need to be law, and uh, so he's doing a great job of of uh, he's doing he's doing what Tom Hopkins would call the reduction to the ridiculous. So Tom Hopkins would, in his uh, How to Master the Art of Selling, would say, hey, you know, hey, you need to have this new copier in your in your office, and it's going to cost you two hundred dollars a month to lease it. And you say, well, like, I really don't, I don't really, I don't really want to pay $200 a month. You know, I, I can't, I can't afford that. And he goes, well, you know, uh, well, $200 a month, if you had it, you'd think you'd use it every day. Yeah. So if you divide $200 a month by 30, that's $6.67 a day, which is about the cost of one cup of coffee at Starbucks. Do you think this copy machine that scans and, and faxes and emails, do you think this would be more profitable than one cup of coffee a day? And that's what Biden's saying. Hey, you know, uh, Rick Scott's Rescue America plan said, said, uh, hey, let's uh, all federal legislation sunsets in five years. If the law is worth keeping, Congress can pass it again. 
okay, but he's kind of, it's like saying, hey, let's just get rid of the military. You think that's ever going to happen? I don't think so. But Scott's plan does not specifically call for a phase out of Medicare and Social Security, which were created generations ago through federal legislation. And again, it doesn't have widespread support among his party. Raising the eligibility age has been suggested by Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, but McCarthy just said two weeks ago on January 29th on CBS's Face the Nation that cuts to Social Security and Medicare are off the table. And remember that raising the raising the the retirement age uh, for seniors has been suggested for years and years and years because we see, hey, when the baby boomers when the baby boomers happened and the Social Security started, um, the baby boom you know all these babies were born and as people were were retiring, we had so many workers paying taxes that that supported the Social Security. Now people have stopped having babies as fast and we have ba- this giant ton of people that are that are retiring, so we don't have as many people push, putting in, and we have lots more people taking out. So the Social Security fund you have to have a way to to re- to resolve it. So but um a better way to resolve the 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 problems with social security uh social security and every other fund drying up is stop spending money on bs so anyway but guess what it doesn't matter if two republican senators even came close to proposing a freeze on social security or medicare because guess who tried doing it for 20 years starting in 1975 senator joseph r biden I want to go on record. I'm up for re-election this year, and I'm going to remind everybody what I did at home, which is going to cost me politically. I, when I argued that we should freeze federal spending, I meant Social Security as well. I meant Medicare and Medicaid. I meant veterans. Benefit. I meant every single solitary thing in the government. Can you believe? Can you believe this is the same guy? Oh, yeah. Well, the Republicans are trying to do it. Well, as you see, everything the Democrats accuse the Republicans up is something they're doing. Hey, you know what? We think Trump was colluding with Russia. Oh, wait, who was, when we got down to it, who was colluding with Russia and creating that phony dossier? Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party. So, you know, that's, it's always, so whatever the Democrats accuse the Republicans of, you can pretty, be pretty darn sure that the, the Democrats are doing it. Uh, the economic manipulations continued throughout Biden's uh, State of the Union speech. Next up was his claim that he cut the deficit by 1.7 trillion, which he called the largest deficit reduction in American history. We've talked about this before. There's one problem with that. Like a lot of his claims on the economy, the numbers are skewed because COVID relief. Every single fact checker is acknowledging it. Let's hear some more. No president added more to the national debt in any four years than my predecessor. Nearly 25% of the entire national debt that took over 200 years to accumulate was added by just one administration alone, the last one. They're the facts. Check it out. Check it out. Yeah, well, Trump uh, Trump cut taxes for uh, for uh, corporations, which turned on the economy. That spurs economic expansion, and which uh, creates more ta- more jobs, more taxpayers paying a little, so no one has to pay a lot. And that's then that's the reason that we've got more tax money coming in now than any than ever. Then COVID hit, then COVID hit, and $3.9 trillion of the money that, uh, that, uh, that Trump spent, of, which is half of what he spent, was uh, COVID, COVID relief. You know, Biden came in and is, is taking credit for the fact that the COVID relief is turning off. That drops the, the deficit. And of course, people are returning to, jo- returning to their jobs. 
that were created before COVID. And he's taking credit for that as, as well as he's creating jobs. He's not creating jobs, just more people are going back to their old jobs. Washington Post fact checker said about this, this is misleading. From PolitiFact, this is half true. Biden's number checks out, but omits important details. From CNN's fact check, Biden boasts boast leaves out important context. It's true that the deficit fell by 1.7 trillion under Biden in the last two years, but it's highly questionable how much credit Biden deserves for it. Biden doesn't mention the primary reason the deficit fell so substantially was it had skyrocketed under Trump in 2020 because of what else? Bipartisan emergency pandemic relief spending. And it fell as expected when the spending expired. And if you remember when this was all going on, Trump was saying, hey, the cure can't be worse than the, than the disease. We have to get our economy back on. He kept saying that. And of course, the, 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 the pressure from the public driven by the Democrats and the, and the mainstream media about how everybody was dying of COVID, even though they were just dying with COVID. Um, and you know, you, you don't, if you just compare the numbers of how many older people die anyway, when they get pneumonia or they get the flu and you know, there's probably a very little, very little change. Um, yeah, we had COVID and most of us that got it didn't die from it. It wasn't that bad. It was like a case of the flu. From the Brookings Institute, Trump signed legislation and approved executive actions costing $7.8 trillion over the decade. The largest driver was pandemic relief legislation, half of that $3.9 trillion. So back to PolitiFact. Meanwhile, if you look at the raw amount of debt added during the presidency, Barack Obama, who governed with Biden as vice president, ranks first. Then Trump ranks second. Obama's figure is larger, partly because he served eight years. Uh, but you know what? Obama didn't rebuild the military. Obama didn't, uh, didn't uh, build up our, he didn't get us energy independent. He didn't build a wall. And all he did was give money away. Hey, you know what? We've got people calling around. Hey, you know, you can get a free Obama phone. All you could do is ask for it. Hey, you can have this. You can have that. Hey, let's give away free, free lunches and free, bre free breakfast to kids at school. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's give away all this relief money. Let's just give it away and see how people like that. See if I can get reelected. And here's probably the biggest whopper, pun intended, to come out of this year's State of the Union. We're, getting, we're beginning to restore the dignity of work. For example, I, I, I should have known this, but I didn't until two years ago. 30 million workers have to sign non-compete agreements with the jobs they take. 30 million. So a cashier at a burger place can't walk across town and take the same job at another burger place and make a few bucks more. It just changed. But they just changed it because we exposed it. That was part of the deal, guys. Look it up. But not anymore. Yeah, look it up. So even PolitiFact goes, hey, this has significant errors. Well, you know what? It's, it's complete BS. It doesn't, this doesn't have any, any basis in truth. When Biden brought up fast food workers, he confused non-compete clauses with non-poach clauses. This is what PolitiFact is trying to make of this. So what just changed? What's he talking about? So there was a no poach clause until 2017. No poach clauses were included in agreements that local fast food franchise owners signed with the parent company. Not employees. Hey, if you buy a McDonald's, you buy a McDonald's, you say, hey, you can't poach from the other franchises. Um, I caught that. That clause barred them from luring workers from fellow franchisees because, you know, McDonald's in, in, uh, in, in Moreno Valley uh, has a different owner than McDonald's in Riverside. And McDonald's in, in uh, Los Angeles has a different owner than, than uh, McDonald's in Santa Monica. And, uh, and 
so you're not allowed to poach workers from the from your fellow franchisees. But nothing prevented a McDonald's worker from taking a better paying job with Burger King or where the better paying jobs are really in and out burger. Always fast food. Also, fast food companies began phasing out these clauses after 2017. Isn't something that just happened and it wasn't something the government government had anything to do with. It came after a McDonald's worker took the company to court. Hey, you know what? Hey, this guy offered me offered me better. Uh, he offered me a better position and, and it's closer to my house. And you can't say I can't take it just because of McDonald's and McDonald's sued the company and the company lost. Kind of reminds me of this scene from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. This is how things have always happened when you want to change jobs and you're working at a burger place and then you're in you know high school age. What's happening? Um, Can I talk to you? Sure, man. Uh, I really hate Bronco Burger, man. Ever since they started with the chicken nuggets, everything went downhill. You have to fry all the greasy food and everything. You have to polish things. and. I was um, just wondering... Arnold, you want to work at All-American Burger? Yeah, well, um... I can probably get you in there. Just let me talk to Dennis Taylor. All right. Okay. All right. Hey, your friend works at another burger place. Ask him if he can get you in over there because better better paying and it's uh you don't have to have chicken nuggets you know here and while we're at it here's another scene from the same movie where uh brad and arnold are are trading uh are are sharing trade secrets which is probably violating another law uh here's your preparation stuff you got your sliced tomatoes shredded lettuce secret sauce what's the secret sauce thousand island dressing what's the secret sauce of bronco burger ketchup and mayonnaise gotcha yeah, ketchup and mayonnaise, not Thousand Island dressing. That's the secret sauce. Hey, so moving on from the economy to public safety and law enforcement. Public safety depends on public trust, as all of us know. But too often that trust is violated. There's no word to describe the heartache or grief of losing a child. But imagine. Imagine if you lost that child at the hands of the law. Imagine having to worry whether your son or daughter came home from walking down the street playing in the park or just driving a car. Most of us in here have never had to have the talk, the talk that brown and black parents have had to have with their children. We all want the same thing. Neighborhoods free of violence. Law enforcement enforcement who earns the community's trust. Just as every cop when they pin on that badge in the morning has a right to be able to go home at night, so does everybody else out there. Our children have a right to come home safely. Yeah, he's so motivational, talking trash on police officers. Hey, you know what? There's a few bad there's a few bad apples in it in every bushel of apples. And you know what? Uh, and there's there's bad there's bad cops out there. And that's what gets the headlines. And there's and there's bad people that work at McDonald's and there's bad people that sell cryptocurrency and there's bad people that that sell insurance and there's bad mortgage guys too. There's bad people all over the place. But you know what? Uh, hey, you know what? Uh, let's let's just talk about how how uh, bad cops are bad cops. Say, hey, you know what? We you know it's not fair that that uh, people have to worry about it. Hey, a lot of us like black or brown people didn't have to have the talk with their kids. Maybe if everybody had the talk with their kids about, hey, be respectful to cops. Don't break the law. Be respectful to your teachers. Be respectful to your parents. And uh, and be be human beings. Maybe we'd have a better problem. We'd have less problems. Biden plans for keeping our community safe with more investments. 
No plans, of course. Just hey, we're going to spend more money and more money. That's his gauge of how how much how much he's done is how much money he's spent. More resources, reduce violent crime and gun crime. More community intervention programs. More investment in housing, education, and job training. All this can help prevent violence in the first place. Hey, you know, here's an idea for preventing violence. Open carry across the country. You know what? I'm up in Montana now, and you know, in Montana, everybody carries a gun. You know, you don't whether you see it on their hip or it's in their pocket or in a holster underneath their shirt, you go in somewhere, you don't have to worry about being held up because you know if someone's if someone's going to go hold up a store or a bank uh, on top of the security that's there, everybody standing around him has a gun. And they're just not going to get away with anything, so they don't try anything. You know what? Uh, my, my daughter uh, just moved to West Virginia this year, and, of course, she, uh, uh, she posted on Facebook the other day. She said, you know, when I was in California – um, everybody having a gun scared me. She goes, now that, now that I'm in West Virginia, everybody having a gun makes me feel safe. So believe me, if you've never gone to states that have open carry, if you've never been out of California, take a road trip and see how you feel. Stop and for gas in, in the middle of the night and see if you feel safe uh, getting out of your car in, in, uh, in Utah or Idaho or Montana or anywhere else that's not California and see, see how people treat you there. As for the borders, he says, we need to make immigration a bipartisan issue, which means blanket amnesty, let everybody in. When he pretended like fentanyl crisis is totally unrelated to the border, fortunately, Republicans called him out on it. Fentanyl is killing more than 70,000 Americans a year. You got it. Yeah, hey, fentanyl's killing 70,000 people a year. Hey, close the border, close the border. Oh, you got it. What do you mean you got it? Yeah, you got the answer. He's not going to close the border. And, of course, somebody, uh, so one of the congressmen from uh, Tennessee says, it's your fault. So, uh, hey, Republicans, I'm glad you guys have a voice. Um, you know, I don't care if you have decorum because uh, Democrats never have decorum and they get all the headlines. It's time that we start speaking out, being loud and outspoken and say the truth. Maybe the people, maybe the, all the young people will start picking up on it. A few more of Biden's lies from this year's speech. Food inflation is coming down. From the New York Times fact, fact check, food prices are still climbing from already high levels. And some products are much more expensive than last year's. Eggs in particular, I think we all know that. I think, you know what, um, somebody asked me if I feel the, if I feel the, uh, the pinch or if I notice the pinch of, uh, of food prices. Well, I don't go grocery shopping uh, as much as my wife does, but she makes comments. And when I do, I go, $8 for a dozen eggs? How much did it used to be? Apparently it used to be two or three dollars. So I notice them. I don't I don't feel it because it doesn't affect me financially. But I know for most people out there, I mean, I said it last week. Hey, my gas bill was nine hundred and fifty one dollars. Friend of mine sent uh, sent me a picture. This is over a thousand. Um, I talked to Dan, my engineer at the thing, and he said his was over five hundred higher than it's ever been. How do people that make normal amounts of money, middle America, how do they afford that stuff? And this is all, hey, politics don't, don't make any difference in my life. Yes, they do. This is all politics. This is Biden shutting down energy production. So uh, here's the next lie. He created 12 million jobs, more jobs in two years than any president created in four years. Nope. New York Times says, by percentage, the job growth in Mr. Biden's first two years still lags behind that of his predecessor's full terms. So Biden's calling, calling uh, 
gains. Uh, he's calling people going back to work uh, at their jobs they had before COVID as jobs that he created. Not so much. Here's one. My wife teaches full-time. Well, not since 2009, and even then it was part-time. But maybe Joe doesn't know that. He, do, he doesn't know. She just leaves in the morning. Where is she going, Joe? I don't know. Maybe this is getting his uh, wife in trouble because everyone goes, wait, wait, we're fact-checking. She hasn't worked since 2009. Oh, really? What has she done? Hey, did you see that lip lop that she, uh, that she put on uh, 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 Kamala Harris's husband at the State of the Union? Maybe that's a clue there, Joe. I don't think that's really the case, but sure, sure makes for a funny uh, idea. Uh, here's one. Here's the last, last thing I have here, or maybe the, uh, no, the second to last thing. Jill coined the phrase, any nation that out-educates us will out-compete us. Not true. That phrase was long been attributed to Barack Hussein Obama throughout his presidency. Oh, but he said, hey, my wife always says this. Yeah, it's not her phrase, Joe. Sorry. And the last one and the most important is uh, the state of our union is strong. And I think we all know it isn't. So giving the Republican rebuttal was the youngest, the youngest uh, governor in the nation, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, former uh, White House press secretary, former da for, uh, daughter of the former Arkansas governor and, and uh, presidential candidate, Mike Huckabee, and of course, uh, uh, Relaxium sleep pitch, pitch guy. I'll be the first to admit President Biden and I don't have a lot in common. I'm for freedom. He's for government control. At 40, I'm the youngest governor in the country. And at 80, he's the oldest president in American history. I'm the first woman to lead my state. And he's the first man to surrender his presidency to a woke mob that can't even tell you what a woman is. His administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. Yeah, you go, girl. That will go down as one of the greatest speeches ever. And, uh, you know, that used to be our White House press secretary compared to the mushroom, uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre today. Trump uh, was a little better at uh, appointing people that were competent, not diverse. Anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. So uh, thanks for listening. My name's Ed Hoffman. I'll be back again with you next week.